Okay, it's Brian, it's the Brian Hornback Experience. This is episode 71. I have a little had a little bit of stress just now, but um, just by dumb luck, I fixed it. So, episode 71, we've got another candidate running for public office in 2022 here in the grand old river city of Knox, Knox County, Tennessee. And on the phone, we have Tyler Gibbons. Tyler, how are you? Hey, hello. Uh, I'm glad to be here. I, well, we appreciate. I appreciate you being here. I I say we a lot, because uh, I guess I think it's just me and my dog. But uh, well, it's the uh, whole experience, right? The Brian Hornback experience. That's it. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> but uh, the the good. There are a lot of people that listen, apparently. So uh, you know that's good. But uh, yeah, the dog is below me. He may re- he may start snoring at some point, but that's good. So Tyler Givens is one of. Three candidates running as a Democrat, uh, May 3rd, Democrat primary uh, for Knox County mayor. And uh, we're not going to mention his opponent's names on here because that's just not part of what I do here. Um, But uh, early voting is April 13th through the 28th. We got a lot to talk about because I just checked out Tyler's website. It's tylerfornox.com. The guy's got a lot of info. So first of all, I uh, saw you uh, a few nights ago over at my old home church, East Minister Presbyterian Church, back when the wife and I got married and lived on the east side, and then we moved over here in the early 90s. But anyway, uh, always uh, happy to go to Town Hall East because I get some nostalgia from my old home church. Uh, but uh, I'll tell you what, there was uh, I went out there because I was told that the two candidates for um, sheriff and the three candidates running for Knox County mayor on the Democrat side were going to be there. And I was kind of surprised. The fellowship hall was full more, at least a hundred people there. There was myself, there was the new Sentinel, Tyler Whetstone and Saul Young. There was Jesse Mayshark from compass. There was at least a TV station there, man. There was a lot of people there, Tyler. Yeah, it was a full room. It was a full room. I'm glad to see that. I was glad to see, you know, so much media out there and a lot of folks from the community, too. I like to see people participate. So, so, so yeah, I thought it was a really good, a really good forum. Absolutely. So now, Tyler Givens, you're a professional engineer. You're, you're an engineer by training, right? That's right. That's yeah. right. So I have a, my degree is in mechanical engineering. I am a licensed professional engineer in the state of Tennessee. Uh, most of the work I do uh, is with uh well nowadays i do a lot of state and local contracting so i do a lot of uh, renovations for school systems i was just at a university in mississippi last week uh doing a walkthrough down there trying to figure out how to uh save some energy on their campus-wide cooling system so uh that's the that's the kind of work i do i've been doing that for about 15 years i've worked in uh like i said i'm doing a lot of state and local stuff lately i also worked in federal contracting and got to travel around the world to some military bases and u.s embassies i was very proud to be able to to do that kind of work uh so yeah that's uh that's kind of my professional life and you you and your partner uh i, I don't i don't know if y'all Candace. yeah yeah y'all y'all live in norwood which is uh the beautiful part of north knoxville yes i, I love this neighborhood very much yeah i bought a home here in uh 2010 uh and i've lived here ever since i it's it's a beautiful little community i, I love this neighborhood I, I think it's a little slice of americana over here uh, there's a couple immigrant families. There's always some college kids renting the house. Uh, you know, you see trades vans uh, as well as like nice cars come in and out. You know, we're kind of near some apartment complexes and near some nicer residential areas, too. So you can see it's like a whole little slice of Knoxville in that area. And I really do like that. Now, have you been to uh, Wings Express on Clinton Highway? <laughs> yeah, 
Yes, I have. Yes, I have. They're, they're pretty good. I don't know if they're my favorite wing place in town, but they're pretty good. Well, you can find me at Wings Express at least a couple of times, normally during lunch. You can find me yeah. there a couple of times every week. Matter of fact, I had lunch there today by myself. Normally, I've got normally there's a couple three of us that wind up eating there, but uh, some of my friends have gone to, on spring break, so I was there. But uh, yeah, if anything ever happens to Wings Express on Clinton Highway, we got some serious problems. Well, anyway. I'll mark that down. It's, uh, now that I know it's a local treasure, I'll have to make sure we preserve that heritage there. <laughs> well, it's 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 good it's, it's good wings. That's all I know. They are good wings. They are good wings. Anyway, so why did Tyler Givens uh, decide that uh, he was going to uh, take his professional engineer, his mechanical engineering degree, and his expertise in the business world and launch a campaign for Knox County Mayor? Yeah, so that, that's that's a good question. So I, I think it uh, it kind of took that turn where I started getting interested in public service uh, at the beginning of last year. I was laid off due to slowdown in the industry due to COVID. I'm back at work now doing the same kind of work I did before, just for a different company. Uh, and between jobs, I worked with a local coalition that was doing eviction defense. So what we were doing was collecting detainer warrants from the court dockets, figuring out who had eviction court dates coming up. And if we thought they were eligible for the moratorium or actually, you know, we gave them the information so they could find out if they were eligible for the moratorium and we gave them the paperwork to learn how to apply for that. So that was just a way to try to keep people in their home and and use the programs that we have to you know, protect working class folks. So that was uh, that was one way I kind of started getting involved in the community. Uh, from there, I started rubbing shoulders with some other activists that were involved in that work. I uh, started going down to the homeless camps a little bit, taking food and water down there. Uh, and kind of uh, getting to know some of those people, you know, the, the police come through and, and, and clear the camps occasionally and folks have to re- relocate their belongings when that happens. So I've helped some folks move their belongings a couple of times. And uh, between the eviction moratorium work and the work I did with the homeless, what I, I really saw was that our social safety net here has a lot of hardworking people uh, who are doing their best. But it seems like there's just not enough resources at the county level. Uh, at the city, at the city county level, really, because most of these agencies are partnerships. Right. Uh, but you know, speaking from a county perspective, at the county level, I don't think there's enough funding to get these, uh, you know, CAC fully staffed and process all of this uh, federal aid money that's coming into Knox County. Now, I know Knox County uh, has done better than some other locales in Tennessee. Overall, Tennessee had a pretty low percentage of disbursement of federal funds for a while. But from some information I've seen from uh, city management folks, I know that. Uh, Knoxville has been doing better. I haven't been able to figure out exactly what the percentage is of how much we were allowed versus how much we dispersed. And I, but I know it wasn't all of it, just from looking at the national and state level statistics. So that's one place I think that uh, I kind of saw where there's some gaps in our safety net and where a, a mayor can come in and appoint, appoint the right people to these boards uh, and, and have the right uh, priorities as a leader to fix some of these problems, right? Right. So, right. so that that's kind of where I started thinking, OK, I'm, I'm doing this thing at the ground level. I see there's a little bit of I think there's a systemic issue here. I'm bumping up against that. And then, you know, I started looking into, you know, what more can I do? Right. So I, at the uh, beginning of December last uh, last you know into last year, actually, I called uh, Matt Shears with Democratic Party and, and asked him, I was like, do you have anybody running for county mayor? Because, you know, uh, Certainly didn't want to let a candidate run on a post, right? Right. Uh, always nice to have an election. Uh, and at the time, he said he had a few candidates he was talking to, but nobody had really committed. 
And, you know, I was thinking this could be an avenue I could take. And maybe I, I wasn't sure if this was the office I wanted or not, but it did seem that a lot of the things I want to accomplish can be done through the mayor's office. And here's this opening. So I picked up a petition and got my signatures. And then a few more candidates came along after that. And here we are in a primary race. Right. Well, and, you know, the, the good thing about being – I'm a, I'm a former uh, I'm a former a lot of things former school board member former uh, Republican Party chairman uh, but um, you know one thing I say about Matt Shears is that as a as a party chairman he's doing a good job in ensuring that he's got candidates uh, in in a lot of the positions uh, and I agree. so they've, they've done great on recruitment for right, sure they, right. they have a lot of folks running and that's good it's good to have competitive elections and and from what we from what I saw and from what the folks at Town Hall East saw I mean you know you have two very different personalities so the Democrats do have a reason to vote uh, May third or during the early vote uh, and so we've kind of talked about kind of the social. So what what some of the issues you felt like from from a social perspective, uh, yeah. social services? What other issues? I mean, I know you've got about five policies on your website. Uh, what else um, is there on uh, that that you would like to tackle uh, when when you're Knox County Mayor? Yeah, I, I think uh, let's talk about let's talk about development. Let's yeah. kind of frame it that way because that includes yeah. a lot of things that are important to me, right? right. I know it's a big umbrella, but. Uh, so that that when I say development, I'm thinking about uh, helping stabilize rents, which is one of my mm -hmm. big issues. So development, I want to I want to make sure that our development incentives are going towards affordable housing. Right. That we don't necessarily need to subsidize luxury products, uh, projects, pardon me, that right. we need to uh, do something that puts more supply in the market, more uh, more units on the market so that supply and demand create a situation where rents are affordable again. I think we can all agree that having rents rise 30% last year in Knoxville is a is an unsustainable future going forward. Right. If rents rise 30% every year, uh, when, when rents go up in Knoxville, it drives folks into the county, right? right? And when folks are driven into the county, that means they're commuting further to work, or maybe they're even driven further out. And now we're talking about pushing into rural areas that used to be conserved, and now we want to develop out there. If, if we focus our – if we do a better job of planning our development and following our plans, I think it's going to help a lot of these issues we have with the, the runaway rents because of the low supply or with the you know issues we see with traffic in areas like Hardin Valley and stuff like that where developers have kind of been allowed to go off the reservation a little bit and develop an area where they – you know, for various reasons, thought it would be profitable to build something out there. But now where the county is kind of left holding the bag to pick up the the expense of supporting that development. Right. So I, I think a lot of it, again, comes back to uh, development. So we do a lot of uh, development incentives through the pilot program. Uh, the pilot program is being used for the baseball stadium and some of the developments around there. You often see it referenced. Uh, in news articles about, I think the uh, the hotel in the old city that just got announced referenced pilot. Yep. So the pilot program. Uh, so I'm not a historian of the pilot program, but I did a little research about where it came from, and it seems that the original purpose was to kind of help out nonprofits with their tax burdens. Mm. So if you had a nonprofit hospital downtown, it might not be able to afford the property tax rates that a commercial property next door is paying. So you would arrange some kind of payment in lieu of taxes, a lesser payment. And then you say you were giving the hospital a credit for a service to the community. Now, the modern use of the pilot program is to spur development. 
and that's okay as long as we realize what it is. So the pilot program, I think currently the the TDC has about 5.4 million in in tax liability for the existing pilot programs. Now, if we didn't issue another pilot for the rest of the program, that number will increase every year because what's happening is those properties have a fixed payment through the pilot program, but the taxes around them or the the, prop, the value of their property is increasing, so their taxes should increase, but they're locked in. So this is a this is a ballooning effect we need to be very careful about. It's a very useful tool for development, but uh, we need to use it for the kind of development we need instead of just using it for any development. Uh, we need to be a little more careful about how we develop. Folks are coming to Knoxville. Folks are coming mm-hmm. to Knox County. Yeah. Uh, that's people are coming from out of state. We've got corporate buyers snapping up rental properties. Like people are coming here. People are investing in property here. We don't need to entice those folks. You know, some of the rhetoric around the baseball stadium was about attracting new talent to Knoxville or attracting the right kind of talent to Knoxville. I think we have talent here. I think we have a beautiful, vibrant community that is struggling because rents are rising faster than wages. You know, wages aren't rising at all. Right. So, you know, and then the question comes, well, what can the county do about it? And again, it comes back to, uh, you know, sustainable, responsible development. Well, the, fir- the first big pilot that I remember really coming onto the scene was the pilot that they used for the Knoxville New Sentinel. Uh, they wanted to they wanted to take the Knoxville New Sentinel out of downtown Knoxville, and they wanted them to locate over uh, where they're located at, over off Middlebrook Pike and Western Avenue. Um, and, you know, that was supposed to create, um, that was supposed to, you know, that was going to spark development in that area. Now, you know, uh, when they first built the Knoxville New Sentinel over there, um, as I was coming up Alcoa Highway one day, I said, "Wow, that's a big metal shed on the hill." Uh, and, <laughs> it's and, not the most aesthetically pleasing building up there. <laughs> and then, and then back back when the New Sentinel used to have uh, comments on their on every story, uh, I noticed that people started taking my name for it, and it's so it's <laughs> it's kind of become that thing. But you know what's funny is the development that it spurred was not what Victor Ash had promised or I don't know, even know why I mentioned his name, what the former mayor said was going to happen there. It was not the development that they promised. And then now, you know, we're 20 plus years later and the new Sentinel sold it to now a uh, battery manufacturer, which is great. I mean, Sure. Yeah. Energy sector jobs. That's great. That's stuff we need. But, but at the same time, it didn't do what it was supposed to do. Now, Right. What's, what's happened to downtown Knoxville over the years is good. I mean, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I have no issue with with what's happened in downtown Knoxville because I told the wife years ago that, you know, when our kids got had, had my kids been older, we would have probably gone down there and bought a loft. Uh, but now, obviously, it's too expensive to go down there now. So <laughs> we're, we're going to stay out here in the suburbs. But but, you know, obviously what's happened down there is great. But. But at the same time, you know, I, I think the new Sentinel would have located somewhere out of downtown without a pilot, I guess is my point. Yeah, right, right. I, see, that's I, I absolutely agree. The thing that a pilot is supposed to do is incentivize your market movers, right? So if the if the incentives are already there, like the incentives for luxury development, like the incentives for uh, big houses and stuff like that, we don't need to subsidize that. Like the economic incentives are already there. What we need to use our programs for what we need to use pilot programs for are the things that developers don't really want to build because they're not the maximum profit building, right? right. Maybe 
building a more you know, building 80 units of luxury might net you more cash on the sale than building 100 units of affordable. Right. But the city needs 100 units of affordable. Right. So if you're going to get a tax break or you're going to get bumped up on the list for sidewalk repairs or you're going to get some exe- uh, exemption to our zoning code or our 30 year plan or, or you want something that's special for your place, you need to be giving something back to the community in exchange for what the taxpayers are giving you, which is a break on your, you know, your fair tax burden. How can how can the government how can the government hold these? So so let's say I'm a developer and I decide that I want to build something. I've got property and I want to build something. And I come I come to the city and say I'm going to build affordable housing. How long is there is there a way to say that has to be affordable housing for the duration, or is there an out clause where they can then take it from being affordable housing? to whatever the market will allow. Do, have you been so, able to look at it that, that far out? So let, let me preface by saying I'm not a lawyer and we're right. starting to ask contract right. law questions. Well, yeah, yeah, but let yeah, me no. give you, let me give you my either. understanding as a contracting engineer from right. what I've been able to, to read. So my understanding is that these pilots are fixed-term contracts. You know, the, mm-hmm. I think they're mostly 15-year. Right. Uh, and so there can be clauses in a 15-year contract that claw back benefits, right? right. So if, you're, if your benefit is a pilot that says – uh, in lieu of fifty thousand dollars a tax payment, you know you're you're do you built the sidewalk, right? So we're gonna cancel your well, let's say it's affordable housing. That's the best one to use. So you're right. gonna have affordable housing, and after a few years, you raise the price beyond whatever the contractual agreement is, whether that be market rate minus X or income based or has to be Section Eight or whatever the contract says, whatever the stipulation is for the affordable housing there. If the owner breaks that contract. Well, their tax break goes away, and now they're liable for their full tax burden. Right. So that, that's my understanding about how the pilots work. Now, I don't think they have to have teeth, but I believe that they can. I right. believe that they can have these provisions where you, you break this. Well, now your tax burden's gone away, and we're charging you at the regular rate. Right. Well, yeah, yeah. So uh, let's talk about uh, before, because obviously I stay under thirty minutes. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about law enforcement. I know you've got uh, yeah. you've got an you've got a. Um, You've got a thing there in your policies about accountability for law enforcement. So let's talk about yeah. that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I, you know, I, I think everybody knows that in the past couple of years, we've had some high profile incidents of, uh, you know, uh, police involved uh, shootings or killings or deaths uh, that have been either with with KPD in, in the case of Anthony Thompson, Jr. Right. or. You know, within the case of Jonathan Binkley, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that that lawsuit was just settled for three quarters of a million dollars uh, last summer. That's the, that's the one where the sheriff's department hogtied him, left him on his stomach and, and he died. Correct. That's right. That's right. right. Now, you know, they say there was some drugs in his system and, and blah, blah, blah. But I mean, like you said, the, the long and short of it is a man was hogtied face down on the ground and there were six or seven deputies standing around and he died there. Right. You know, they, they, they have a duty of care. Right. Uh, you know, regardless of the other circumstances. Right. So. Um, but yeah, so so my, I think that the, the, the obvious first steps, right, for law enforcement accountability for Knox County is to get with the times of what's standard everywhere else. So if we look at Davidson County, you know, the, the Natro, uh, Nashville Metro mm-hmm. Police Force, 
they have an independent community oversight board, which is actually a little stronger than we have with Park because Park is under our city mayor. So right. for KPD, we have Park, and that's under the city mayor. But our county doesn't have any civilian oversight mm. board. There's no civilian who's reviewing these cases. And in the case of the Jonathan Binkley lawsuit, I haven't, I have not seen a change in policy since that lawsuit was settled or since since that lawsuit started. So I, the 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 police department in Knoxville was kind of transparent about changing their use of force policies after the George Floyd uh, protest. They, they changed some of their chokehold stuff. And they published it on their website. And we're very upfront about that, but I haven't seen anything about that from the sheriff's department related to Jonathan Bigley. Now, maybe I missed it, but I say all that to say we need to get with the times uh, and do things the way that Nashville's doing it or that Davidson County's doing it, right? Have uh, our, all of our law enforcement officers in the county should be wearing body cams at any time they're doing a law enforcement activity. They're arresting somebody or, you know, responding to a call. They need to have their body camera on and we need an independent community oversight board. And I think those are both very reasonable, moderate, modern reforms that uh, that anybody should expect their sheriff's department to be comfortable with. Yeah. And, you know, you know, the interesting thing about the Binkley case was that the fact that, you know, it never. It was it was, it was a case that ultimately the law department just decided to settle out of court on. Um, so, you know, it never got the review of a jury. Right. Um, yeah, so. that happens in a lot of these cases, you know, for, for various reasons, cost of litigation and other things. But when you have a settlement, there's often non-disclosure oh, yeah. and, and there's no nobody's at fault. You know, there's no fault language and all that stuff. And the and the people never get to know what really happened. Right now. I mean, obviously, Jonathan Binkley's family uh, deserves to be made whole and, and have as much justice as they can. But it, this is also something that, in fact, impacts the community. Right. This right. is. We saw another citizen in the hands of law enforcement be treated poorly, right? Mm -hmm. And we don't want that to happen to us or to our friends and family, our loved ones, you know. So I think modern accountability is just a no-brainer. Right. Uh, how uh, is there is there another is there another policy that you um, that you like to see uh, when you're mayor? Yeah. So uh, you know, teachers uh, oh, and supporting yeah. teachers. Public, public yeah, education. something a lot of folks yep. been talking about. So yep. I, I think. Uh, I think there was another. I think there's another Democratic candidate uh, for another office that said uh, 60k. He wanted the average mm. pay for teachers to be 60k in Knox County, uh, and uh, so I looked at the and uh, the surrounding counties and surrounding school districts. We have neighboring school districts that pay more than sixty thousand dollars on average to their teachers, and our school district I think was around forty five thousand dollars or forty eight thousand dollars on average. I, I think it's reasonable to set $60,000 as uh, an average salary for our teachers and work mm -hmm. to get there. Now, you know, the question is always how do you pay for these things, right? And some of the right. other things I've talked about, staff and CAC, and that all costs money too. Uh, and the first thing we got to do is look at our budget priorities. Uh, I've already talked about law enforcement a little bit. Uh, the law enforcement budget has grown rapidly uh, in the past four or five years under, under uh, the, the previous two county mayors, uh, especially under the most recent one. And I think we need to look very carefully at how that money's being spent. Now, I'm not suggesting pay cuts for our deputies, but right. we have a couple of helicopters and we have some armored vehicles and we have explosive teams. And I think we just need to figure out if we need all this stuff. You know, the the floodgates were opened to uh, local sheriffs and police departments having access to federal military grade surplus equipment a few years back. Uh, and if you go look up the, I think Washington Post keeps a a running list, you know, keeps it updated. And you go look at what's been given to Knox County and the uh, and KPD. I mean, tons and tons of of N16 or AR15 style military rifles, couple helicopters, several armored vehicles, large trucks, 
and you know, gas is gas is probably more than five bucks a gallon right now. Right. I mean, what, what are they doing with all these heavy vehicles? Right. Yeah. Well, and you know, I mean, you know, granted, it, it's nice to get that stuff free, but uh, you know, the reason the federal government wants rid of it is because they don't want to keep the upkeep on it, right? Maintenance. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. All that stuff is very, very expensive in maintenance. And I mean, you can you can look through. I think the I think I looked through quickly in the in the budget, uh, the the, sh- the sheriff's department fleet maintenance service uh, was like seven hundred thousand dollars a year, wow. or something like that. I mean, that that's a, a significant chunk of their budget, and that was just like that one section of maintenance. I don't even know if that included all their specialty vehicles. Right, right. So I mean, you, you you can get a lot of expenditures in in fleet and equipment really quickly, and you're not paying your deputies anymore. Right. You know, you're not retaining good staff. Well, and, you know, about a year and a half ago or so, um, there was a situation that came up where uh, the county was wanting to take over a, a, a field where um, the rugby the rugby uh, folks had, had been gifted a piece of property, and they, they basically made it a world-class rugby field, and then the county was trying to take it back. But then I got to actually looking a little bit at the Parks and Rec budget, and it's grown exponentially over the last couple of mayors. And, you know, my, my question is – Okay, you know, granted, we, we've got some world-class county parks now. Uh, at some point, you know, you shouldn't have to be paying as much money as you're paying once you get them up and running, you know? I mean, uh, so, you know, that may be another, that may be an other, another uh, department that, that you know, yeah. once, you, once you get in there, you start looking at. But uh, we're, right. we're right at about 25 minutes, so folks can find you at TylerForKnox.com. Where else can they find you? Uh, so TylerForKnox.com is the best place. We got some videos up there of me speaking. Uh, also, we've got uh, Facebook at TylerForKnox, Instagram at TylerForKnox, Twitter at TylerForKnox. All those nice and easy. Absolutely. Uh, so we we post live streams up there uh, when events are going on. Uh, you know, we post uh, upcoming events and all kind of stuff. Actually, uh, you know, this is a podcast, so I don't know how timely right. how timely it's be. Oh, but we got an event this Saturday. Yeah. Well, I, I was I was actually going to mention that because. Uh, yeah. As soon as soon as I record these things, I get I get them up within within a couple hours. So uh, on Saturday, March the nineteenth, you're going to be out in kind of my neck of the woods. I'm on the other side of Interstate forty, but you're going to be over right. at Hay Bear Cafe over off Middlebrook, right? That, that's right. We had we had an event at uh, Landing House a couple weeks ago that was a big success down there. We had a we had an open bar tab, and if you came down and texted your friend, we'd buy you a beer. Wow! Uh, and at, at Hay Bear, well, we don't they don't serve beer, but they right. got boba tea. So if you come and you text a friend and let them know that uh, that elections are coming up, and tell them why. Uh, why you think I'm a good candidate, <laughs> or you know, just tell them that elections is coming up. That's good enough. Uh, we'll give you a five dollar voucher, and you can go get you a boba tea. Wow, that's great. Now, also, there's a there's an opportunity coming up with the League of Women Voters, kind of a meet the candidate type thing. Are are they opening that? Right. Are they opening that up to the public, or is that going to be a, a virtual? Meet so the I'm candidate? not entirely sure. I know I know uh, I I thought they were going to be in person, right? Uh, and and then there was a location. I'm I'm not sure. I assume it's open to the public because yeah. most of these events are. And I, they said they were going to have a live stream. Uh, right. We uh, spoke with one of the coordinators yesterday, and they said, you know, they thought they were going to have a live stream, but they didn't, they couldn't confirm a link for us. So, uh, like I said, if you follow me on the socials, right. we plan to post that live stream on my socials at Tyler for Knox as soon as it goes live. Well, and that's the great thing about the league. I mean, ever since the pandemic yeah. started, uh, a lot of things have been uh, where they bring the candidates in, but they still live stream it. But he, even before the even before the pandemic, they would always live stream their events. So obviously, yeah, I love that. You right. got to keep things accessible. You want people to be involved. I love that. And and obviously, I'll try to be there as well. Um, so yeah, uh, 
then for those of you that uh, are just hearing the podcast, uh, the Brian the Hornback Experience podcast, you can also go to brianhornback.com. You can see Tyler's opening remarks from the Town Hall East event uh, earlier this week, and you can see the question and answer of the first question because I had already been there for the sheriffs, and it was um, by the time I got home, it was about 8.30, and I'm not as young as I used to be. Uh, so uh, I didn't stay for the whole for the whole town hall east event, but you can you can certainly see Tyler's opening remarks, and you can see him answer a question uh, along with his other opponents. Uh, that's at brianhornback.com. Uh, but Tyler, I appreciate you coming on the Brian Hornback Experience. I'm sure we'll have you back um, maybe before May third, and definitely after May third. And uh, I wish you well, my friend. Sounds great. Thank you very much, right. and I look forward to coming back here again. Great. Thanks, Tyler. Thanks, Brian. See you, bye.